today on CityCast Madison. It's the Friday News Roundup. This week, I'm joined by CityCast Madison's Haley Sperling and Molly Stentz. The Madison Public Market Project has given up financial lifeline to stay on course. Wisconsin Republicans are blocking raises for UW employees. And need to let it out? We have your picks for the best places to cry in Madison. It's Friday, October 20th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. News that happened this week. Information is what we seek. Take a look. Put down that book. It's the Great Friday Roundup. But you don't have to take my word for it. Joining me now, it's the email empress, Haley Sperling. Hello. Hello to my subjects. <laughs> and it wouldn't be the Roundup without the sheriff of this here podcast, Molly Stenz. Hello. I loved that show for the record. I'm just surprised you saw any TV show. <laughs> I got one. I finally got a reference. Bianca is on assignment this week, and Molly's kicking us off by talking about the public market. Yeah. You guys here? We got some news that the Madison public market is alive. In the spirit of Halloween, it has perhaps arisen from the dead. Was it dead? Well, kind of looked that way because... Since the last time we talked about them, they had received construction bids. This is that big public mall on First Street between Johnson and East Wash. So it was this formerly uh, car garage, like the city-owned car garage where they used to fix up the cop cars and the other city vehicles. Fleet services. It does look kind of spooky from the outside because they took the, the sign off, but then you just see like the... I don't know what it is. Mold on the building. It looks kind of old and scary. Anyway, that's the building on First Street that they hope to renovate and turn into this big uh, public mall that will be used for a variety of food and arts and craft vendors, indoor public space year round. So that's the project. But what happened was they got the construction bids because they have to do a bunch of renovations to that building because, you know, it was a garage there. It wasn't like a beautiful public space. <laughs> Nobody was hanging out in there unless you were fixing cars. But it cost more than they had. So these construction bids came back almost $2 million more than they had budgeted. And this is a project that the city's kicking down money for, the state's kicking down money for, and they've raised a bunch of private money. There's been a whole philanthropic arm that's raising charitable donations from the community to make it happen. But but so it seems like every time there's a setback, this thing could be on life support if it doesn't have enough money. Well, hopefully this is it, right? Because they, I mean, they, so the, okay, so with the construction bids, they got three of them, right? And the amount was higher than what they had. Yeah. So even the lowest cost bidder, which is Joe Daniels Construction, was almost $2 million more than what they had allocated for the project. So they had to basically go back to the city council and say, please, can we have some more money 
for this project so we can actually build the thing, you know, do the renovations. It was a long and winding road up until this point. They had to hire an architectural firm, come up with designs. They had this whole market ready program to get uh, food vendors interested and ready to to sign a lease when, when the building's ready. So there have been a lot of costs up until this point, but this was like the moment that really was going to determine if we started seeing construction crews at the site. Yeah, you don't want to turn this into the jail project where something gets delayed and then the price tag goes up again. Well, and and that's just it. It it has, and we know yeah. that. Construction projects never seem to get less expensive over time. And so it's on track? Is it good? It's not going to die again? Well... I think we should take bets. I want to hear your thoughts. So city council did come through. They allocated more money this week. And so there is some strong alder support. It wasn't unanimous. There were certainly some east side alders that, that were like, mm, nah. This was already after uh, there was an earlier proposal that was shot down to, to try to spend less money. That one was not approved. What are we taking bets on? We're taking bets on when... We're actually going to see this public market happen in Madison. I think it's going to have to happen. I think they're going to, I think they're really trying to keep it on track because at this point, I mean, we've dug a hole so deep that there is really no getting out of it. The, the apartment building next door, the standard, like it is, it's full legal name, you know, it's government name is the standard at the pub, like Madison public market. So if there's no public market, you know, what do we do about that? Like, not like that's an actual issue, but it just goes to show, you know, how <laughs> much people have invested in this, you know, not only just monetarily, but from the surrounding community, you know, like people are expecting public market. The people want it. It has been a very popular project. They've done a lot of actual you know, fundraising for it, you know, aside from city and county funding. So this is clearly something that the community wants and that we should make happen. It's disappointing, you know, that all of the construction bids came in over what the city was expecting um, is not necessarily surprising. You know, I feel like that was something that probably should have been accounted for because like you said, Molly, construction projects are only getting more expensive and the city has gone through plenty of them to know what, what to expect. But I'm glad that they're moving this through pretty quickly. Um, I think they just, they just need to keep going because at this point, like I said, it's, there's no turning back. Dylan, what's your bet? My only thought is that uh, Joe Daniels' construction was the cheapest one because it's just Joe Daniels who will be doing the whole thing solo. Oh, no. I'm not, that's, that's my hot take. It's like it's just one guy building the public market for a year. So you're putting the, the open date at like 2032? No, I got faith in Joe Daniels. He's a quick worker. So you're you're going with their construction starting and ending next year, and it, the thing's going to be on track to open in 2025. Ah, what's a million more? That's what I say. <laughs> I'm cheering for Joe. Well, there you have it. This project has had maybe more lives than a cat. We will keep watching and bringing you the news. And if you want to hear more about the vision for the market. Go back and listen to our interview with Karen Crossley from a few weeks ago. It's in the podcast feed. She is the Madison Public Market Foundation Board President. You can learn all about what is slated to happen in that building. Thank you, Molly. 
Well, before we get to any more news, let's take a quick break. Okay, we have an update on something that we've been following, and that's Robin Voss's war on UW. The Republican Assembly Speaker, he um, he upped the stakes a little bit this week. Um, he In the last state budget, it was decided that state workers, all of them, including universities of Wisconsin employees, they were going to get a 6% raise, 4% this year, 2% next year. Uh, it needed a sign-off from the legislature from this committee, and that happened for the vast majority of state workers, but not those who work for the UW system, because Robin Voss, and uh, let's let's recap here. This is not a new fight. Uh, during state budget negotiations, Voss he made good on a threat to cut the UW system budget by 32 million unless the university ended its diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. He does not like DEI. So the speaker is now uh, blocking raises for 36,000 public employees. Remember, this has already been approved by the governor and the legislature. And he's blocking these raises until UW caves to his demand to get rid of these initiatives. So let's hear just a quick clip of Robin Voss from this week. People at this committee, I guess, we haven't really done it before, but are really good at giving political speeches. So if that's what we're going to do now, I'm just going to explain the truth as opposed to those who are posturing for political points. When I talk to people, they do not want an ideological agenda even more on the campus than it already is. And if the ideological agenda says any kind of control from the people who are elected by the public is bad and it's worse than just not giving raises, well, go and ask the people in each division at the university if that's what they think is a reasonable trade-off, because I don't think it is. So there's a way for us to get to yes. It just requires the university to actually realize they are funded by the taxpayers. They are not an entity that gets to do whatever the heck they want because they have their own ideological agenda that they are going to drive home whether people like it or not. So that was Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss blaming UW for why their employees don't get a raise. Hey, I have an idea. You know, speaking of the UW rebrand, what if we what if we called it like the 10 percent universities of Wisconsin? Because that's like about the percentage of their budget that comes from state funding. Hmm. Is that catchy? What do you think? It rolls off the tongue. Yes, the university is has a, a very complicated funding system, not wh- not all of which is controlled by state government. But, you know, these raises for employees are like this needs sign off from the legislature. And the, those raises, which everyone seems to agree uh, are needed to to retain staff and everything, they're being held hostage right now. And, it, and it's unclear um, how this is going to end besides UW, I guess, Ending these diversity, equity, inclusion programs, just like Robin Voss wants them to. But there was a Republican, uh, Senator Howard Markline. He is from Spring Green. Um, he He's not happy about this either. He said he was disappointed that they didn't just, you know, go through what they promised to do and give these raises. UW Platteville's in his district. So he said the custodians, executive assistants, food service providers, and local faculty at UW Platteville have very little to do with the politics of the university system. So he hopes that they settle this too for the sake of employees. So you got a Republican kind of calling Voss out on this. It's not just a a strictly partisan fight anymore. 
This issue is so hard because, yes, university funding is very complicated. I'm just so lost on how, you know, you can withhold raises from people, raises that people need in order to maintain the cost of living um, over over DEI. You know, I'm thinking of like the required DEI programs that I participated in, you know, when I worked at Wisconsin Public Radio. And like, those programs were great. We had workshops from the YWCA. I learned a lot. It seemed like a lot of my colleagues enjoyed them and genuinely took something away from this. And I think that most of us in the 21st century have come to the understanding that diversity makes us stronger and not weaker. It's mind-blowing to me that we are spending so much time wasting so much effort on, on this minuscule fight. There's such a huge population of university employees in Madison who need this money to sur- survive these raising rent prices that we're facing and all of the, the fun things that come with living in a growing city. I think this is just part of the larger war about control over the over the system because... The reality is the state has provided less and less and less aid. They do not provide a majority of funding for the state public university system. And yet they want to retain 100% control paying a fraction of the bill, you know, and that's, I think that's why you saw efforts by the past chancellor to explore Madison breaking away. And I I wonder if those calls are going to come back now, because that's what we've seen the university do is set up private entities, right? Like the Wisconsin Institutes for Discovery to try to do an end run around the legislature and try to raise private money to continue to do the things they, they want and need to do. It's about this one issue, but it feels like it's actually about a much, much larger war. Well, UW Assistant President Jay Rotha said, we are beyond disappointed at this point. And that's a nice segue into what we're going to talk about next. Jay Rothman probably probably needs this advice, Haley. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Dylan. You know, um, the news has been sad lately. And sometimes we all need a little cry. Um, We need a time and a place to just let it all out. You know, it could be the weather or a problem at work, or perhaps just nothing at all. You just want to let it all out. So this last week, I asked Madison Minutes uh, newsletter readers to tell me where they like to cry in Madison. And I got a lot of really great responses. I have some personal favorites. And yes, so I'm going to go through and just give some of these like kind of hidden spots uh, that you can go to if you need a good cry. A lot of people recommended Madison's parks. We've got a lot of really great parks uh, that are full of shady trees and benches where you can just plop down and let it all out. I've done it before. B.B. Clark Beach is a good one. Picnic Point. That is a personal favorite. I've shed a lot of tears there. James Madison Park. I have seen a lot of emotions there. Governor's Island and then Door Creek Park. We had one reader suggest um, the Storyteller Circle in the Muir-Knoll area of the Lakeshore Nature Preserve. Uh, You'll find it going up Observatory Drive across from the School of Education. 10 out of 10 for cries. That's what Corinne B. likes. Um, 
so those are some of the outside places and some of the more, uh, you know, kind of, kind of naturey ones. If you want to get in touch with, with the outdoors when you're letting out tears. What about the Arboretum? Ooh, that would be a good one. That is a really good one. Um, I think you could definitely get lost in the Arboretum. I definitely have gotten lost in the Arboretum and maybe let out a few tears there. But yeah, Madison, we're we're full of parks and we're full of good places to cry. If you want to be a little bit more secluded or if you want a little bit more privacy or perhaps it's snowing outside and you don't want to be outside, there are a lot of other places to cry too. Um, reader Olivia J says... I scream cry in the John Nolan tunnel when I'm really frustrated. I do that too. I think we can all relate to that one, Olivia. I love that. Yes. <laughs> MES said the Monona Terrace because it's comforting to watch the water on Lake Monona. Something about shedding tears by the water. I think that's beautiful. Oh, and this this one from JW. <laughs> I thought this one was very good. Um, at least once a year... I have a nice cry in the clearance section in the back of Half Price Books East, which is so specific and so beautiful um, because I can really picture that. I think crying in a bookstore is probably one of like the most melodramatic things you can do, um, but it seems necessary. If that's what you need for survival, I think it's great. I would second anything at East Town, really, or that part of East Wash. I feel like my go-to is driving down East Wash with like the music up as loud as I possibly can and just yelling. Yes. I don't know if that's quite the same thing, but that feels like a part of town you can get away with it. I mean, people are drag racing, people are doing Lord knows what at the mall. You know, it just feels like it's okay. Nobody cares. Nobody is even, you're not even going to seem weird. You're not going to stand out. <laughs> Your cries and tears are muffled by the sound of drag race exhaust coming from all directions. Exactly. That's Madison. <laughs> Dylan, where do you like to cry? Uh, well, has anyone tried just bottling it up till you can't stand it anymore? <laughs> oh, I've been there. <laughs> just getting by. I guess that East Wash thing makes a lot of sense to me. So you got to let it out somewhere. You know, a lot of people suggested they have a nice cry in the shower, you know, or just in the car in a parking lot. Um, if there are any parking lots of choice, yeah. my friend recommended to me the parking lot, uh, kind of by East Town, where that Target and like Michael's Hobby Lobby, and now it is like a spirit Halloween shop. Um, that parking lot has a little just kind of like secluded area. If you go like all the way to the side, not on the target side, um, it's a good spot to just sit and just 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 have one just have a day. I've done it before. I know exactly where you mean. There are trees. It sounds like you got a lot of responses to this. Well, shockingly, Dylan, a lot of people have emotions that they like to express, um, and we don't bottle them up. We let them out because it's healthy. It's okay to feel things. It's okay to get in touch with your feelings. All right. I'm changing my vote to uh, very quietly on a public bus. That is beautiful. People did recommend crying on the bus. Um, and I think, yes, if you're crying on the bus, I, I have big respect for that. My personal favorite kind of aligns with what you said, Molly. I love crying and I love screaming in the car wash, particularly the Mr. Car Wash on East Washington Avenue. I pull in there and those boys, they know why I'm there. They're like back again already. I'm like, yep, let's go bring her around back. You know, it's something very nice about you get all your windows rolled up 
You get sprayed down with the water. You don't have to do anything. Foot off the brake, car in neutral. They push you through and the soap comes out. They've got the rainbow lights. And normally I just put on whatever music I'm feeling very, very loud. And I grab whatever sweater or like thing is sitting in my passenger seat and I stick my face in there and I scream as loud as I possibly can. And I do this like once a week and it keeps me sane and it keeps me happy. Um, and yeah, this is not a commercial for Mr. Car Wash, but I have their <laughs> um, their like monthly pass, you know, because otherwise it's like 10 bucks a car wash or something. So I just pay like by the month and I can go an unlimited amount of time. So if it's a particularly rough week, sometimes we go to the car wash more than once. You know, you got to do what you got to do. I still miss that octopus. There just be octopus car wash there, so... Yes, RIP to the octopus car wash. Who has the octopus now? That's kind of what I would like to know. There's actually a story about that. Oh, I bet you know. Another day. Another Another day. day. Well, you're doing something else with uh, Mass and Minutes um, that we want people to participate in. Tell us about that. Yes. So I'm sure everyone's aware Halloween is coming up. We are in full October mode. And I'm thinking of, you know, some costumes to put together. But what I really want to know are what people's take on Madison-based Halloween costumes would be. The big ones that come to mind would be like pink flamingo costume, you know, or maybe you you put on a little mustache and you do your best Paul Soglin impression. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to know, Classic. like, yes, what is your take on like a Madison Halloween costume? How would you personify Madison for Halloween? And that's what I really want to know. So people can call in, leave us a voicemail or text us. Uh, that number is 608-318-3367. Or you can hit our inbox at madison at citycast.fm. But yeah, I know Molly or Dylan, if you guys have ideas to throw to the people, I'm very curious. Yeah, just to get a little prime everyone up for this. And that number again, 608-318-3367. I I realized I'm actually terrible at coming up with Halloween costumes. but So you guys give me some grades on this. Okay, ready? Um, Bus rabid transit (laughs) i don't quite have it conceptually down but like a bus but you're like foaming at the mouth yeah okay um there's some there's something there workshop that one a little bit more maybe yeah all right what's next so so it's like a a missing poster and then there's like the fet ferris wheel is that a costume that's a deep cut It's like a certain East Side or like you might get away without it, the Harmony or something. Where's that damn Ferris wheel? What happened to the Ferris wheel? Okay. Anyway, then uh, this is probably my best one. Okay. So like Lady Liberty, we all know who that is. So it'd be that like, imagine the costume. It's Lady Liberty from like, you know, chest up, but then below it's all like, like white because so you're like the one in Lake Mendota every year. Oh, I like that. I really like that. I love that costume. That's a really good idea. Well, I'm confident that people can come up with better ideas than than me, but go ahead, Molly. Sorry. This screams out for a contest. We want photos too. Send them in. I don't know what you'll get. You'll get our undying adoration. We'll talk about you on the podcast. We might even say nice things. I'll put a photo in the newsletter. We have the power. We have the technology. 
Let's wrap this sucker up. Molly Stentz, thank you for joining us today. Anytime. Haley Sperling, thank you. Thank you. Bianca Martin is your host. We're produced by Molly Stentz, AKL Moman, Natalie Rivera, Noah Snyderman, and me, Dylan Brogan. Our theme music is by Carl Christensen. You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox by subscribing to Madison Minutes, written by newsletter editor Haley Sperling. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not share this podcast with someone who, in the 18th century, would have been a great town crier? See you back here Monday morning with more news from around the city. Until then, 